Hello, listeners. We are here at the top to thank our latest review lever, Kel2 to the, I don't know, 10th? That's a lot of twos following Kel in your iTunes username. Uh, Thank you so much for this really, really wonderful review. It really warmed both of our hearts. And then the other thing that we want to tell you up top is about our Pride Month sale that we are doing for all of our very gay merchandise from June 1st to June 30 days, has September, April, June, and November from June 1st to 30th. (laughs) (laughs) If it makes you feel, if it, I also have to do a little song to be like, what, how many days does the months have? Yeah, so how the hell would we remember otherwise? Yeah. Uh yeah, for 30 days starting soon, you can get 13% off everything in our store. And then you too can wear a Gaily Profit t-shirt to Pride. You can <gasps> cut you cut the sleeves off of it and and then you'll be able to find other queer Harry Potter nerds hopefully. Isn't that what you want? <laughs> Is that what we and all want? take pictures. Please send us pictures of you at Pride in our t-shirt. We'll send you pictures of us at Pride in our t-shirts. Everyone's yes. going to be so happy. I will definitely be all up in... I will be in Motor City Pride on my t-shirt. And then probably also in... We have a, a black gay pride. I will probably also be there in my gay profit t-shirt. Oh, so. Amazing. Yes. And then you can also feel good about buying our t-shirt and supporting independent queer artists. And not corporate people who jump on Pride Month. Yes, definitely. Give us your money and not Converse. Yeah. And sleep well at night. <laughs> and I almost said not Target, but I'm not going to lie. I do love Target's Pride stuff. And I feel... I, I acknowledge that. No, me too. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> um. <sighs> You know, get 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 some stickers, stick them on your water bottles, on your pickup trucks and Subarus out there. Um, yes. Yeah, and your <laughs> the bikes. The only gay vehicles. I'm about to say, those are the two gayest vehicles. Actually, yeah. speaking of which, me and Nicole did literally just buy a Subaru. <laughs> Congratulations! <laughs> You're real lesbians now. I know. I, like It makes me so happy, and I'm just like... <gasps> Oh, we'll drive and all the seats go down. We, we like immediately brought like patio furniture from Craigslist. It's just like oh the my gayest God. thing. God bless. This is the best story. Happy Pride, everyone. <laughs> I'm going to record me putting a Gaily Profit sticker on our new car. It's going to be great. Oh, yay. Yes, yes. please. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Pride Month. Show, show your pride and then also how much of a Harry Potter nerd you are. Our promo code is queer witches, all one word, all caps. Yes, and and just so that everyone knows, uh, if you've been reading along with us, you can take a little reading break because we are doing special episodes about not the chapters for Pride Month. You're going to be hearing some like really badass interviews with some really badass people about. Harry Potter and queerness coming next month. So just brace yourselves, brace yourselves for the joy that you're about to experience. Yeah. And you know, we're like super excited to talk to folks besides each other about Harry Potter, about 
queer things that are important to them and also Harry Potter and how it is important to all of us. I think I'm just repeating what you said just said. Anyway, yes, we are very excited to kick off our first Pride Month with talking to other queer people. Yes. All right. And with that... The Gaily Prophet operates under the assumption that you have read the books. If you haven't read the books, go and read them. They're wonderful. And then come back to us. Otherwise, you're going to be spoiled. And that's your choice in this world. Gay people love puns. I'm dead. <laughs> we have to stop this podcast. Well, this book causes Satanism. Is left for us to rant about. There is nothing straight about plum velvet. <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about <laughs> Harry Potter. Hello. And welcome to the Gaily Prophet of Podcaster Two Queer IRL Witches Reread Harry Potter and Talk About It. I am America's favorite Griffin Dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Griffin Dyke Extraordinaire, Jesse Blount. Today we are talking about chapter six of Chamber of Secrets, Gildory Lockhart. And for those of you not reading along at home, this chapter is about Harry has his first day of class, which involves ear-damaging mail, repotting mandrake babies, dealing with pixies, and the beginning of many awkward interactions with the egotistical Gilder Lockhart. Yep. Yep. I tried to work in both terrible and inappropriate, but I thought I would just keep it short. <laughs> yep. All right, we start this newspaper off with today's headlines. This is really long. Sorry. <laughs> today's headlines. Public shock to discover that author Gilderoy Lockhart was actually a blow-up doll filled with toxic masculinity gas. Sources say that hundreds were hospitalized after the doll's facade was punctured, filling the room with the substance. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's the worst. <laughs> he is the worst. I also just really feel like blow-up doll is, like, his aesthetic. It, it is. So. Yeah. Oh, this fucking guy. All right, but he's got his whole own section. <laughs> we turn to the front page where we talk about all the things that don't belong in other sections of this newspaper. Jesse, you have way more front pages than me, so you start. I just want to, again, reiterate that Errol needs some fucking help. He fell into the milk jug and was unconscious. And it's like, Someone please get this owl some help. It is horrifying what happens in this chapter with him. Like, it's so inappropriate that they're still using this owl. It's a real bummer. And Hermione's the only one who's like, hey, he's still alive. And Ron's, like, concerned about his howler, which understandably is pretty awful. But, like, not a lot of compassion for poor Errol. I mean, if he could have, Errol would have been, like, blown up if he just collapsed with the howler still attached to him, so... That's true. So, Professor Sprout is so gay. Yes, I feel like I didn't remember how gay she sounded until her 
chapter description and I'm just like, yep, that is totally plant parent gay right there. She calls them chaps. Like, she sure does. That is so gay. <laughs> it's like all of the old queers are just working at Hogwarts. Yeah. <laughs> just like... <sighs> Which I guess is maybe probably also in real life. I feel like I know a lot of queer teachers. Oh, yeah. Teaching is a very few. queer profession. It sure is. <laughs> How else are we going to indoctrinate the youth and perpetuate the gay agenda? This is true. It's a pretty it's a pretty long agenda. I've seen it. <laughs> I just I just want to talk about how funny the image of like the whopping willow full of like bandages around like its branches is. Like it's such a hilarious mental image. It is. It's very sweet. I mean, you know Sprout, like, talks gently to it, too. Yeah. Well, well she's, like... Gently but firmly. She's very firm with her charges. I I feel like imagining the Whomping Willow trying to heal. Because, like, IRL, you can bandage up plants sometimes and they will heal. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's very, it feels very similar to me as like when my dogs have had surgery and the vet is like, make sure they stay quiet and calm for the next two weeks while they're healing. I'm like, I'm sorry, excuse me. Like, <laughs> have you met my dogs? What do you expect me to do? I feel like that's the Whomping Willow. Yeah. Sprout's going down there like three times a day to like check those bandages. Yeah. And to firmly tell it to not. <laughs> slap at birds or whatever the heck happens that it's yeah you know whomping at <laughs> so. oh no i want to use whomping as a verb differently. <laughs> um <sighs> also on these lines greenhouse three sounds dreamy i want to be there it does sound really dreamy uh, large mm. perfumed flowers or perfuming flowers hanging from the ceiling the size of umbrellas that's fucking awesome yeah i feel like herbology seems like maybe one of the coolest classes yeah the greenhouses at hogwarts definitely are one of those things that make me be like i don't have enough plants which is absurd because i have so many plants but I'm like, uh, well, my ceiling isn't covered in plants, so I'm clearly <laughs> failing <laughs> being a plant dad. I I also feel that way, even though that I don't have enough plants, even though whenever I'm like, we should buy this like large plant, Nicole is like, where? And I'm like, I don't know, somewhere? <laughs> where to buy it or where to put it? Where to put it. I mean, if I'm not, if I can't turn my head and look and see a, a, a living plant, then like, what am I doing? I think that's my uh-huh. goal. It's just be like everywhere. Yep. Have you seen the video of the woman who lives in some large city where she has literally thousands of plants? Yes. That house is so fucking dreamy. It's very dreamy, even though it's very obviously she does not know any pets. <laughs> Which yeah. I'm like, well, I can't live that life. So <laughs> can't yeah. live an animal free life. It's not going to happen. Dogs don't interfere with plant having. Or at least my dogs don't. You just got to swap pets. I mean, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) 
So I just noted that someone finally took a fucking shower in this book. They sure did. In the last chapter, I was like so upset because they describe being like plaster. Their clothes are plastered to them with sweat. Harry is so sweaty that his glasses are slipping down his nose. And then they get to Hogwarts and they definitely don't shower before going to bed. Which like, to be clear, I don't have an issue with like not showering on principle, but the idea of like going to sleep after having sweated upon myself that much and like how much your skin doesn't feel like it's breathing, you know, that sounds just horrible. It makes me really sad. So, and I feel like part of it is that like JKR didn't want to write about Harry and showering all the time, but it just reads as if Harry is just fucking gross. Uh huh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Especially when we like see him through his days. So like, tightly and we Mm -hmm. like there aren't any moments that we're like not with him in which he could be slipping off for a shower you know yeah Yeah. so anyway this would be as simple as like he got ready for bed but he we just see him like go to his room change into pajamas and get in bed there's no like teeth brushing do you know is there a tooth brushing spell do you just like point your wand in your own mouth maybe i'd be into that yeah actually also would be into that constantly have that fresh from the dentist feel where your teeth are all like smooth and you can't stop touching them with your tongue sounds great (laughs) back to the subject at hand what's your next note (laughs) i just think it was kind of dickish of ron to like call out hermione for like putting hearts on her schedule around lockhart's name (laughs) it's like let hermione do do her thing have her you know her weird moment this book I'm torn on this. At the moment where he's making fun of her, I'm with you. But I very rapidly changed my mind about this. But I have that in editorials. So yeah, we can come back. We'll come around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My next note just says Colin Creevy. It's not a real comprehensive note. Just like there's a lot with this kid. He is a really fascinating case study, I feel like. Like he's so self-assured. In this way that is, like, so unfamiliar to me. Like, he's clearly an extrovert, and he's just very, like, outgoing, and, like, everyone's kind of, like, a little weirded out by him, and he does not give any fucks about it. He's just like, yeah, I'm gonna talk to you, I'm gonna, like, do this thing. I mean, he tells Malfoy to fuck off, basically, you know, or whatever. I mean, he doesn't say fuck off, but basically he says fuck off. I also also want to talk about that... He's, like, he's, like, self-assured, but also, like, very kind. Like, he's, like, oh, yeah, I'm sending photos back to my dad, who's a muggle. And I'm, like, that is fucking adorable. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm having a good time at school, dad. Look at me. And, like, I'm making friends and I'm meeting this famous dude. It's, like, great. And I'm, like, that's so fucking sweet. <laughs> I know. I know. And his dad being so proud of him when we read being a witch as, like, a queer allegory. His clearly, like, very lower-class dad. He's a milkman, you know? Yeah. From probably, like, a small town where they still have milkmen in, like, 1992. Yeah, um, sure. Is just, like, so proud to have a son who's a wizard and is, like, so supportive and, like, clearly did whatever he needed to do to get Colin access to the information that... 
like about the world that he was entering because Colin is like Hermione coming in like I've read all this shit I've like talked to people yeah I've learned a bunch about like this world that I'm entering and he couldn't have done that without parents who were like oh okay like we're gonna learn with yeah. you we're gonna like help you adapt and stuff like that so I find yeah. that extremely touching yeah, and I feel like the way that he describes, like, his excitement about going to Hogwarts is like, oh, yeah, like, all the weird stuff I could do, it turns out I'm, like, magic. And it's like, he doesn't feel, like, any shame about, like, being like, oh, I'm different, I'm weird. He's just like, I could do weird stuff, and it turns out I'm a witch. And it's just like, I don't know. It's it's very, very refreshing, I guess. I agree. Yeah. Like, someone who seems like, he has his shit together, as, like, a, like a chat, like, it's like, you know. He's well adjusted. Is that He's, that's that's the word I want. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. It's interesting actually to to look at him at, in juxtaposition to Justin because Justin is also a muggle-born who recently found out that he was a wizard and he talks about having to like convince his parents that it was okay for him to be a wizard. And it seems like he still is on good terms with his parents, but, like, he's obviously from, like, the upper echelons of society, whereas Colin is clearly from, like, a very low-class family. Mm -hmm. And they, I don't know, I feel like they're representing, like, two sides of, of, like, what this experience could look like in a way that I think might be interesting. Yeah, actually, I have a little bit about, I just have a, like, line about that we could talk about in politics when we talk about Justin. Okay. Um, sort of, sort of what we can gather about him just from like this chapter okay um, yeah and we can maybe dig more into like the ways that that um looks when we think about it in conjunction with colin mm-hmm. there welcome to the education section where we talk about this goddamn school it's been a while since we've gotten to talk about this goddamn school I mean, yeah, we're, I mean, it took us uh, five chapters to get to Hogwarts. Yeah. So. There's a lot to say, but my first thing is really sort of uh, repeating something that we've talked about a lot. But Harry says that everything, he's struggling in transfiguration. He says everything he learned last year seemed to have leaked out of his head. And so he's having a hard time, but. I don't understand how anything they learned last year applies to what he's trying to do right now, given Mm. that there doesn't seem to be actually any theory involved. I mean, I guess the only thing I can think of is that, like, their transfiguration exam was them turning a, like, mouse into a snuff box, and now they're turning beetles into buttons. So I guess building on, like, turning animals into not animal objects. I mean, that's all they ever do in Transfiguration is turn increasingly larger animals into objects, which is a very questionable, like, life skill. Wouldn't it be so much better to be able to, like, transfigure a rock into a replica of your glasses if you forgot them at home? Or, like, your car key? Or, you know, like, there's a myriad of things that I could be like, yeah, that makes sense to transfigure. But, like, turning a raccoon into a... I forgot what they turn raccoons into. Whatever. is like, that's not... Where am I even going to get the fucking raccoon? <laughs> How is this I helpful? mean, okay, 
Okay, so the only thing that I can think of to justify this, because you're right, like we don't ever get the theory of transfiguration, which is, again, an endless frustration to me because I would really love to know, is that it must be one of those things where it's like transfiguring increasingly complex living things into like inanimate objects um, prepares you to be able to transfigure anything into anything else. Like, I mean, in book four... Barty Clark Jr. transforms his dad into just a bone, which is probably really hard to do, I guess, I'm assuming. Um, and C- Cedric transfigures a rock into a dog, which is like the reverse of what they do in class. Yeah. So I guess this is somehow... Oh my built- god. Being what? able to transfigure a rock into a dog whenever you needed to hang out with a dog... Oh my god. That what is a valuable dream. life skill. Yeah, that is actually a really good life skill. That would be awesome. It would be so great. But then I guess I wonder, here's a thing that I'm that like I don't understand. Is I mean, does it like wear off after a while? So you've transfigured a rock into a dog. Does it like turn back into a rock at some point? Does it depend on like your ability as like a witch? Does it, like, turn to just, like, a dog statue if you fuck it up? Like, I'm just kind of, like... Yeah, these are really good questions. I have no idea. Yeah. I don't get the impression that they come back. Which is, like, a very ethical quandary in some ways, I think, but... Yeah, I actually... I think, yeah. When Moody transfigures Malfoy into a weasel, Malfoy seems to have memories of having been a weasel. Does that mean that when they transfigure... A hedgehog into a pincushion. The pincushion retains memories. As in the way that, like, does the pincushion experience being a pincushion because it was formerly a conscious being? I don't know. I wonder if that only happens if you turn, like, a hedgehog into a goldfish. It might retain memories of being a fish, but maybe not being something inanimate. Because okay. I feel like what what would there be to remember? I feel like it would just be like, there'd be nothing, and then you're like, back, and you're like, what what is happening, you know? But, I mean, it could be like a pincushion with consciousness. That's horrible. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. This is very, like, philosophical. Yeah. Yeah, too bad they don't teach ethics at Hogwarts. <laughs> They'd be fucked. I mean, I guess we don't learn ethics when we dissect animals in school, so. No, but, like, dissecting a dead animal is very different from, like, turning an animal into an inanimate object that may or may not retain consciousness. And you would never know if it did or not unless you experimented on a human to do it. And, like, Hmm. that's a thing. Yeah. Because when Crumb transfigures himself into a shark... He is able fully as Crumb to like navigate and like perform an activity. He doesn't mm-hmm. just become a shark. Yeah. So if if in your transfigured state you maintain your original being, like in terms of what it means to like experience the world. But I get that again, that's something with a brain to something with a brain. So Yeah, and I feel like from what we know about animal human to animal transfiguration, like with like Sirius, that you do maintain, like you do have thoughts. It's maybe 
more flat. I don't remember how he quite describes it, but like maybe not as rich and complex as like human thought, but like you still maintain like a sense of yourself and a sense of your like consciousness. Mm-hmm. So, but like, that seems just like really hella complex to me, perfectly honest, you know? I've always had the impression that being an animagi is different from normal human transfiguration. But I guess I don't know how. There must be some overlap, though, if, like... Because I feel the fact that McGonagall is one of the few registered ones makes it seem like there's a connection between, like, whatever the theory of transfiguration is and then becoming an animat and animagus. I'm going with the G, the hard G sound because it is short for like a shortened version of magician, right? So animagi is that what you were going for? Yeah. yeah. Well, I flatten it all out with my midwestern vowel sounds. Animagi. Animagi. <laughs> animagi. <laughs> <sighs> but yeah. Okay, well, this is all very theory-heavy for something that we don't actually have any theory to dig into, Uh, but what is your... Do you have education points that are not um, Lockhart? Yes, I do, actually. Um, So, Colin mentioned that someone in his year, a fellow first year, told him about that there's like a developing potion you can use for your photos. Mm-hmm. Which may be another film nerd. I don't know. That's very endearing also to me. And just like, I don't know. Why don't they learn how to like do film development or at least make this potion? I mean, probably because Snape is like the fuck I teach these kids this potion. But like, <laughs> it just seems like this would be an important skill to know, I guess. Like other photo development businesses. Because I feel like we never get a sense of that. <laughs> These are excellent questions. I don't know. Maybe you can just order the developer and you don't even, like, need a dark room, you know? You just, yeah. like, take out your roll of film and, like, put a drop of the developer on it and you have fully developed moving photos or something. It's weird because when we see the photographer later, the camera is described as being very distinctive. Mm-hmm. It, like, lets off smoke and it's, like, very, like... There's a lot going on. It's clearly not a muggle camera. And so mm. I almost wonder if maybe the kid that was talking to Colin was like, well, this must be what it is because like our pictures move and your pictures don't. So there must be a special developer. And it actually turns out that that's not true. And you actually need a special camera. But I thought that Colin ends up having moving photos, though, that he takes later this book. I don't remember. I can't believe I don't remember. I'm so ashamed. I- We'll figure it out. We'll we'll come back to this about okay. about this. Um, all right, that is my only not Lockhart related thing. And so now we enter our new teacher profile, which I guess we'll do once a book, huh? I mean, um, we sh- we sure will actually. So except for book seven because to... no one's at school, right? It's time to uh, be introduced to the newest Hogwarts professor, Professor Lockhart, a.k.a. this fucking guy. <laughs> a.k.a. if you looked up a textbook definition of narcissism, you would see a smiling, winking photo <laughs> Yes, of Lockhart. <sighs> 
Yeah, I mean, so I think we both have lists of things that are wrong with him, right? Like, he again touches Harry without Harry's consent. Fucking telling Professor Sprout how to do her goddamn job. Oh my god, that made me so mad. Uh, she is also so mad. I know. She, like, just like... I want her to tell him off, but at the same time, I, like, respect that she just is, like roll your eyes and like walk away because it's so clear that he's not the kind of person that in any way engaging with would like it wouldn't even like not be effective like it would offend him it would like not even touch him you know yeah yeah he he like wouldn't even notice yeah, Sprout is just counting down the days for this dude to be gone by the end of the year. I know. At this point, they just keep going through him. She just likes got to make it to May <laughs> over however the fuck long. Yeah. This test, he gives him a test on his personal his like personal life. This 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 test is basically a BuzzFeed quiz that <laughs> the kids have to do for a grade. Oh my god. It takes them half an hour. Half an hour of answering questions about his ambitions and favorite color. Which, of course, are money aces. But also, like, how did you get through all these books and not realize this dude is the worst? <laughs> That's the thing. Which, save it for editorials. Alright. Yeah. So he was the only option, right? That's why Dumbledore Clearly. hired him? Probably. I think we learned that. I mean, I wouldn't want to work for this cursed-ass position either, to be perfectly honest. Like, you'd have to get, like, someone who, like, thinks that he's invincible to do this job. Yeah, that's true. Or or someone with an ulterior motive, which is maybe all of the rest of the professors of Defense Against the Dark Arts from here on out. Do you have any other specific points about Lockhart? Um, can we just talk about this worst practical exam? Oh, the fucking pixies. Yes. The fucking pixies. It's the first day of school. It's the first day of school. How does he not even know a fucking freezing charm? Like, 12-year-old Hermione's like, I'm just going to freeze him and put him in a cage. Do you have the impression from what happens in the rest of this book that, like, literally the only thing he knows how to do is obliviate people? You know, that's fair, actually. It is, like, so much that he would like get these pixies not even look up how to like do the thing or like practice it once and then be like these children will still respect me if i like loose these pixies on them and then am incapable of doing anything about it and then run away like what he didn't even like pretend to teach them anything to do about it it's like they'll figure it out and it's like these are 12 year olds thankfully hermione figured it out but like brah isn't that i feel like thankfully hermione figured it out is like the moral of the harry potter series (laughs) (laughs) yes i think that's the moral of almost every book in the series is that if hermione hadn't befriended harry then he would have been dead he would have been real dead it would have been the end of the series yep yeah, speaking of him just being like, oh yeah, Harry and Hermione and Ron can clean this up. And it's like, what? <laughs> like, how do you can explain to any of the teachers why there's like gapping holes in the windows and one of the chandeliers has fallen and poor Neville is in the hospital wing. It's day one. 
This dude is mind-blowing. It's going to be fun to talk about the patriarchy so much, this book, thanks to this guy. (laughs) I just hope that, like, I hope Neville has, like, a bed that's specifically for him that has, like, some plants by it. Because I'm just like, he's always there. He's always there. My heart. (laughs) He is always there. It's tragic. I just want to point out that we do, we make fun of Ron a lot here, but he was the first one to peep that Lockhart is probably a fraud. Sometimes his instincts are spot on. Sometimes they're not. (laughs) I mean, Ron is a Pisces, so he's a pretty good read on people. (laughs) Welcome to Editorials, where we rant about stuff. All right, so as I've alluded to a couple times, I have mixed feelings about Hermione's reaction to Lockhart. Okay. She's 12 and, like, crushes on, like, pretty, pretty boys at 12 can be quite consuming, right? Like, I Mm -hmm. feel that. Mm -hmm. So I respect that a lot. It's just that, like, she has such a good read on people and, like, Everyone else in the class seems to have gotten a read on Lockhart by the end of that first session, and she continues crushing on him throughout the books, and even as he's, like, abandoned her to take care of these pixies on her own, she's like, he just wants to teach us. And I don't believe it, I think. It doesn't fit with what I know of her, that she wouldn't see through him and like lose her respect for him which is like nothing's less sexy than losing respect for somebody so i think you're right i think it is i think it is weird that we don't get hermione getting like a read on this dude until much later i think the i think the only thing for me that makes it make sense is sort of i think hermione has a bit of still her kind of like I don't want to quite say like hero worshiping, but she definitely puts a lot of stock into teachers and into authors as a bookworm. So I feel like the combination of being taught by a dude who's like written all these books and like seemingly done all these things. And it also is like a younger, attractive guy makes it makes me think that like that sort of like trifecta just like has just like it's sort of like a weakness of hers at this point. I mean, I think we see sort of by, like, book five that, like, Hermione is definitely on the, like, fuck adults train that Harry and Ron are at much earlier in the books. Don't you feel, though, like, because she has so much stock in, like, education and knowledge and stuff like that, that she would get this test where he's just talking about himself and be like, fuck this guy? Like, because what she values in his books is, like, his accomplishments and the things that he did and not, oh, his favorite color is lilac, you know? I mean, I don't know. I don't, I guess, I don't know if this is, I mean, maybe this is a lesson that she learned. So when we get to book five and she's like, do you hear what the fuck Umbridge is saying? She's like, maybe maybe this is the last time it's going to happen for her because she's just like, oh, no, you know? And, like, maybe she just doesn't, like, isn't. Like, maybe she has, like, doubts, like, in her mind, but, like, doesn't, like, act on them. But I think from here on out, she's not gonna maybe doubt herself or, like, maybe the, like, putting together other dots in her brain and maybe just being like, oh, that's ridiculous. Like, why would Dumbledore hire someone who's a complete fraud? 
but then it's like, oh, he would. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. So, okay, I'm going to be more gentle on Hermione about this. You've convinced me. <laughs> so. All right, howlers. Howlers are the worst. Yeah. Like, what a terrible fucking idea. Yeah, I am... They're, they're a terrible idea. It's weird that if you can send talking letters, there aren't, like non-yelling forms of talking letters like why aren't people sending talking letters instead of writing letters right which is totally unrelated (laughs) but like yeah i don't know howlers are not not great i don't i don't approve of them also why are they so loud because otherwise they wouldn't be called howlers oh my god but it's like it shakes the dust in the rafters of the great hall Everyone should have eardrum damage, I feel like. No, I agree. I mean, but you know, they just like yeah. love excessively loud things in the witching world. I would not I would not be down with that. I would need those earmuffs constantly at Hogwarts <laughs> just being like, I'm gonna put them on. Just you can wave at me if you need my attention. Just I'm out. I'm into just that. Sounds great. <laughs> also, I'm upset that Neville's grandmother sent him a howler. Why would you do that? I mean... Upset but not surprised. Upset but not surprised. Yes. But my precious baby. I know. It's weird that no one knows that he was sent a howler. It makes me feel like it happened not at Hogwarts. I think it must have, which is weird. Yeah. Somehow even more terrible somehow. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he went to, like, summer camp. Maybe there's, like, summer camps for, like, rich, pure-blood kids like Neville. I mean, maybe. Huh. Yeah. But, like, getting into, like, the subject of the howler that Ron receives, I would just like to applaud Molly Weasley for how unbelievably carefully she worded this (laughs) message so that in no way did it admit guilt on the on mm-hmm. Arthur's part while still hitting all of the necessary points for like yelling at Ron, right? Your dad's having an inquiry at work, but not like you could have gotten your father in trouble, right? Yeah. Like the inquiry is your fault. It just is like it's just masterfully crafted to make sure that like even though everyone in the Great Hall is hearing it, no one in the Great Hall will hear something that could, like, be brought to the inquiry that would damage Arthur's case. Good job, Molly. I feel like Molly is, like, hella smart, and I feel like I feel like her talents are wasted. <laughs> and, like, obviously not that, like, being a house, like, a stay-at-home mom is, like, you're wasting your talents. Like, I'm not saying that, but I'm like, Molly could just... yeah. It does seem like a weird thing to choose to, like, broadcast to the whole Great Hall, though, that, like, your husband is in trouble, you know. Yeah. Send the owl at a different time of day. Also, it is it is justified that author is part of an inquiry, but also shocking that they're dealing with it. Like, I'm like, really? (laughs) (laughs) That's true. But also, is it, like, his co-worker just being like, why did you do that? They're like, this is a misuse of muggle artifacts thing, so misuse of muggle artifacts department has to handle it. Uh, <laughs> Perkins, talk to Weasley. <laughs> uh, that's probably per- why nothing happened. It's because it was just Perkins being like, Arthur, come on, man. It's like, 
don't leave this shit for your kids to get into. And like, that was it. Like, I don't know. Don't get caught. Uh, there's like, but there's no way to lock it. <laughs> if only we had locks, I could keep my kids out. Oh my God. Uh... All right. Do you have any more editorials? No, that was, that was it. Okay. Welcome to the politics section, where we talk about things that are fucked up today. Classism, mostly. Yeah. Yeah. In a, in a shocking uh, turn for us, um, we're not going to be talking about things that are specifically fucked up at Hogwarts. Um, we're going to talk about how fucked up wealth, wealthy people are. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe not fucked up. Anyway, so. How fucked up, like, the wealth system in yes. our country and the uk and yeah. also classism and etc yes yeah so this section is primarily for people in the u.s i'm sure people in the uk are going to be like you got this all wrong so write to us um about what i'm about to say if you're like you don't know what you're talking about so justin finch finchley who we meet finch in fletchley the, finch fletchley the worst fucking last name yeah i feel like i yeah i think i totally typed it as finch finchley um, anyway, so Justin is trying to, like, talk to the kids and I think probably try to impress them by telling them that, um, his name was down at Eton, but he got into Hogwarts because he is a witch. And, um, for those of you that don't know, Eton is a private boarding school for, like, rich-ass children. And, like, not just, like, rich children, but, like... All, both those dudes in the royal family went there, like a bunch of prime ministers went there, a bunch of famous authors and actors and shit. Like, this is like Harvard for teenagers, basically. It's like it is called the most famous public school in the world. And by public, we mean private, because for some right. reason in the UK, they call private schools public schools. Right. So, like, not just like you're rich, but like you're rich and powerful and you know, maybe you come from a like old, an old money family. I have a couple of things that I want to say really, just really quick. Yes. Okay. One, a year's tuition at Eton, the most prestigious private school in the UK is less than a year's tuition, the average year's tuition at any boarding school in the US. I mean, I'm sure. And... The income level at which Eaton offers assistance to families is $120,000 a year, family income level. I'm sorry, wait, could you repeat that? What? The income level, the family income level at which Eaton starts offering assistance, like uh, tuition assistance to students, is if your family makes less than $120,000, well, pounds a year. Oh, wow. Which in the US, it's like maybe 60000 at which point they're like, okay, fine, you need some help with tuition. Which is not to say that this isn't fucked up or to negate your point at all. It's just to talk about how much more fucked up the U.S. is in the U.K. That's all. Oh, yeah. No. So Eaton, this very famous school, it is cheaper than going to fucking Interlochen Arts Academy, which is a private boarding high school for arts in the northern part of Michigan. Yep um cheaper by like a lot right yeah it's fifty nine thousand dollars to send your student to board a student at interlochen for probably a year and it's like twenty four thousand dollars to go to eaton yeah that's cheaper than cranbrook cheaper than country day how weird 
There is a Eaton Academy in Birmingham, Michigan, which is a very wealthy suburb that is actually cheaper than going to regular Eaton. Anyway, yeah, so, yeah, look up the wealthy private schools in your area, and it's more expensive to go there than in the UK, because late-stage capitalism is the worst. Yes. Here, here. Um, anyway, so now that we've established yeah. that the US is the worst, let's talk about classism. <laughs> Yeah, so, like, long story short, like, Justin comes from a family that's, like, basically, like, the Malfoys, only muggles. Mm -hmm. And I think what's interesting about Justin is that, so, if he had, if he wasn't a magical person, he would have been, like, the upper crust of the upper crust. But at Hogwarts, he's, like, a Hufflepuff, which is, like, I mean, Hufflepuffs are lovely, we love them here. And in the books, in the Hogwarts social ladder hufflepuffs are at the bottom of the social ladder which is terrible because yeah. they should be the top honestly so it's just funny to think of yeah. him being like he's like trying to impress these kids with like his money and his wealth and they're just like okay whatever dude yeah like even hermione who probably recognizes that that means he's like fucking rich is like they like don't even care yeah it's also interesting to think about like how much it says about him as a person that he was, like, raised presumably very similarly to Malfoy. And, like, we're making very sweeping generalizations about what it means to be wealthy. But, like... I mean, I don't think they're general. I think we can make those sweeping generalizations. Okay. Well, just that he, like, presumably holds all of that, like, internalized classism and, like, everything that comes with that and was sorted into Hufflepuff... Which I think actually speaks very well of him as, like, an individual that he hasn't, like, absorbed that messaging to the point that it would, like, eliminate Hufflepuff as an option. Yeah, I mean, he says that he is glad that he went to Hogwarts versus going to Eton. So, like, he probably was like, I don't really want to be in this, like, homoerotic, toxic masculinity environment for, like, however the fuck long you're at Eton. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I feel like as shitty of a school as Hogwarts is, that's probably a step up from <laughs> from like whatever kind of toxic environment that must be. Yeah. Oh right, because it's one of only like six remaining like all boys schools in the UK. Is that right? Yeah. And I mean, I'm base I'm basing this off of so like one of my best friends uh, went to Harvard Law School and just knew a ton of awful fucking rich people. <laughs> So I'm just kind of like, mm -hmm. it's probably like that. Um, so yeah, good on Justin for like not being a shitty person, even though he does some shitty things in this book. But he has clearly some redeeming qualities. Yeah, I feel like you have to have redeeming qualities to be sorted into Hufflepuff. And maybe that's, that's just like our podcast, like pro Hufflepuff slant. But like, it does seem like you... Though, you know, there's this sort of like, oh, Hufflepuff's the catch-all house, but like, I reject that. I think we both reject that. Like, Hufflepuff is where yeah. you go if you're like, like a good, hardworking, down-to-earth, supportive, good person. Yeah, you're like into like cooperation, it seems like, and like, you know, loyalty. It's like, all right, yeah. You like have to have Hobbit qualities to be a Hufflepuff. <laughs> I mean, the the renderings of the Hufflepuff common room looks like a hobbit hole, right. which I wholeheartedly am into. Yeah. Um, so, it yeah, it just is, like, it's interesting. And he, like, 
his bearing, the way he like con- comports himself, probably is like a little at odds with like being around the rest of his like Hufflepuffs. But like, he's adapting, you know. Yeah, and maybe there are some like you know like purebred Hufflepuffs who are like, you know. Like, I feel like if anything, like, whatever weird sort of, like, finishing school, like, etiquette stuff that they maybe do, I feel like Justin would be like, oh, yeah, this looks, this seems familiar, mm-hmm. you know? So. But, yeah, it is very interesting that we get this, we get Justin as a character in the same chapter we get uh, Colin, who is, like, I mean, he says his dad's a milkman, like, he's hella working class. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, I feel... It's it's pretty heavy-handed, like, setup that we're like, here's two people, like, really making a point to talk to Harry and make it very clear that they're muggle-born so that later they can be attacked by a snake. But... <laughs> <laughs> that didn't occur to me until right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that aside, it yeah, it is definitely, like, Justin says what, like... His mom was a little disappointed, but he, like, had her read Lockhart's books, which is, I think, Lockhart is very well poised to convert a upper-class white lady to accepting wizard kind. Um, And then she was like, yeah, okay, like, it'd be fine to have a magical kid in the family. And we take that and, like, compare it to, like, I don't know, Seamus, who had a, a... non-magical parent who like left his family as a result of it like we have all these different sort of coming out stories you know yeah and i think it's interesting to i just want to talk a little bit about for colin creevy that considering how working class he is like going to hogwarts is like can potentially set him on a path to like class mobility basically Mm -hmm. wait Mm -hmm. does colin die at the end of in book seven or his brother colin dies Okay. But, like, I mean, because he's at this school with people who have obviously varying amounts of all all across the, like, class of, you know, the UK. But he, I mean, he's at the same school with all, you know, with kids like Malfoy and, like, kids like Justin and, like, all of these folks. But, like, he, you know, there's still, I feel like, the potential for him to, like, there would have been the potential for him to, like, leave Hogwarts and, like, maybe get a job where he's, like, making more money than, like, his entire family has ever made, ever. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like the conversion rate of galleons to pounds is very, not very well explained, <laughs> but I feel like, I mean, a lot more money. I, f- I feel like you're making a decent wage in the witching world. It's probably you're making a lot, would be, like, making a lot of money in, like, the muggle world. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I think there will be more to examine with this as we move through the series, for sure. Yeah. That is literally all I have for politics. Welcome to the health and science section, where we talk about things that are loosely related to health and science. I only have two points. The first is (laughs) reiterating that mandrakes are people. Mandrakes are people. It's like a fully developed baby. Right. There's something so fucked up about like a room full of 12 year olds being like, wow, look a baby my teacher just said that we're gonna cut it up and make it into potions later what 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 okay that's fucked up 
that will continue being fucked up throughout the book. We don't have to talk more about it right now. My other point, because you have like sciencey stuff. So my other point is just that the venomous ten, ten, tentacula, tentacula, ten. Sure. That thing. Uh, I read as like being like a poorly behaved cat. Yes. Sprout is treating that plant like a poorly behaved cat. It's like, stop biting people. Stop, stop trying to chew on me. And it's like, what? <laughs> it, it's like a kitten. She's like, it's teething. And it's like, I was going to say a puppy, but it's not because it's sneaky. So it's like, it's like coming up behind up her. <laughs> so whatever. Sentient plants. It's also apparently fucked up if they use venomous venomous tentacle plant in potions because it also is like clearly a sentient being though it is not a person i mean considering what it did do to like animals in this in these in these books i'm kind of like does everyone just have to have like a really like go i don't know i just feel like i would just be crying constantly about this stuff i'm like this is a baby like what yeah what are we doing like what are we doing to these raccoons like why are we turning mice into snuff boxes like i would just be like i don't it know it is a fucking vegan hellscape is what <laughs> it is yeah it is definitely like an animal like if you care about like animals and like sending it non-human creatures this is sort of like what is happening <laughs> yeah but, i mean i, I don't guess, know like with the venomous thingamajigger like, if you're harvesting the whole plant, but I guess I imagine them, like, taking cuttings like you do when you harvest, like, Swiss chard or, like, aloe. Yeah. In which case, that's fucked up, right? Because it's sentient, but maybe it doesn't have nerve endings in the same way. But, like, we know that, like, actual plants express distressed, distress and communicate with one another when they're being harmed. So, like... I mean, I think in general... Confusing. the. W- the witching world is very callous in that regard. I mean, we're going to see a lot later in this book where, like, Hermione's, like, house is treated horribly and literally no one cares. Like, no one else cares. This book? Not this book. Spew is this book. Spew is... No. Spew book three? Spew is book four. I swear Spew is this book. Spew is not this book. Am I making that up? Yes. Anyway. Whenever book that happens, I... <laughs> and it's like no one cares and like not even the muggle-born children seem to care which is weird because i'm just like if i was in the witching world and all of a sudden all of these creatures could like talk to me i'd be like this is a person like i feel that way about like primates like those are people and those are, they can't even talk to you so like if i'm looking at it like a house of is talking to me i'm like what are you what are you doing to this person <laughs> yeah it really is like the Harry Potter world makes us need to, uh, like, expand the definition of personhood, which yeah. is is an interesting thing that they seem to have, like, no... Well, I feel like a lot of the witching world is, a, is basically having a near definition of, like, who is a witch and, like, who is a person, basically, you know? Like, if you have a wand, you're a person, and if you don't, you're not and that's like since that encompasses so much living beings even like in the witching world it's sort of like yeah 
Let's talk about real mandrakes. Real mandrakes are a thing, everyone. So them looking like people uh, is sort of based in real life. Um, photos on the internet, like the roots do kind of make them look like weird, ugly, like dolls of people. They're kind of like kinda. ginger, but like more humanoid, right? Yeah, like sort of like a like, if like a ginger and a carrot combination, but like the carrots that are like grown, they have like legs and arms kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Like carrots that aren't con conventionally processed like carrots from like a farmer's market look like have extra limbs and things yeah so people so they have been using folklore for like you know i think like protection and stuff but in real life uh so mandrakes are super toxic um but are also apparently hallucinogenic and narcotic so hmm pretty useful uh according to, according to wikipedia they used to be people would give up their folks like a anesthesia to knock them out for terrible surgery and also probably just to feel great i mean you're a witch take some mandrake you're just you're in space no that sounds great <laughs> okay is that all our stuff i think it's all our stuff well then thank you for listening to the gaily prophet if you enjoy listening to The Gaily Prophet, you should consider telling all of your friends to listen to us. A lot of people listen to podcasts by word of mouth of their friends, and that really helps us. Even more than leaving your reviews, though you should still leave your reviews because we love them. You should also follow us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram. And if you see something that you want to share with the world, you should share it. You should tag your friends. Let them know comment on our weekly comics that are always very lovely which you can also see on our website uh thegailyprofit.com and i totally forgot to, to give us our the handles of our social media which is the at the Gailey prophet you can also email us your questions if you've been to eaton and know if it is a hellscape or not let us know yeah shoot us an email at thegailyprofit at gmail.com if you want to find me in between episodes, you can go to LarkMalakai.com. That's L-A-R-K-M-A-L-A-K-A-I.com, where you can learn about the various things that I do, including nutrition and tarot readings and trans competency trainings for other healthcare providers. And you can nominate doctors for that. And it's pretty cool. You can find me on Instagram, also at LarkMalakai or at Radical Healer. Um, if you want to follow me in between episodes, I am on Twitter at Jesse underscore Detroit and on Instagram at live from Detroit. Our spoiler warning was recorded by the incredible Sarah Sarwar and the music in our spoiler warning and theme song are both by Kevin McLeod. Our logo was created by Theo Julian Forrester, who also creates weekly comics about Harry Potter slash our podcast that are just unbelievable. So definitely find them both on our socials and you can follow him at Theo Julian Forrester on Instagram. All of that information is in our show notes. And until next time. Lilac. Hands-on. Fop. Unqualified. Wow. That was a Burn. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, wow. 10 out of 10. All right. 